If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Calling all real estate investors, especially short-term rental investors, if you are looking to invest your money in owning a short-term rental, but you don't know where to buy, I have a hot tip for you. Kentucky and the Carolinas are a great place. And even with the rising popularity of short-term rentals, these markets continue to thrive. In fact, I'm looking to buy one in these areas as we speak, and I'm going to use Savvy Realty to help me with that transaction. Savvy Realty is an STR-specific real estate brokerage. Not only do they know the best places to buy in the areas that I already mentioned, but their hosts and co-hosts themselves of successful short-term rental properties. They know what it takes to turn a simple property into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. Whether you want to flip a house, rent your own home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty and their agents can help you figure out what type of STR investment is right for you. Tyler Kuhn is the founder of Savvy Realty, and he and his team will consider everything from the overall look to the age of the home, the distance to transit hubs, and other major factors that you may not have considered. So if you want to make sure the return on your dollar is maximized as much as possible, then follow the link in the show notes to book your next one-on-one discovery call with Savvy Realty. Hey, Fearless community, before we get the show started, I want to let you know that you now have the chance to get direct access to me in order to grow and strengthen your short-term rental business. How? The Six Figure Formula Membership. I'm the only one in this space offering this value pack membership for a stupid, stupid low price of $49 per month. And you get access to me, my podcast guests. You get to be a part of our amazing private community. You get our full A to Z business in a box STR kickstart course. And maybe most exciting, especially for me, you get exclusive discounts that we worked for months to get that no one else is getting out there. Price Labs, AirDNA, NoiseAware, HostAway, and so many more at your fingertips. So become a part of this 6FF movement. Get started today for just $49 a month at fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. Hey, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley. Super excited and happy new year. Our first podcast of 2023 and it's starting off with a bang. We're teaching you how to raise money for all these deals that you're doing, especially if you're owning the properties and no better person to bring in for this than Michael Hicks. I got to meet Michael at the thank you for visiting or the thanks for visiting live event over in Vegas. And what I loved about Michael, he was down to earth, he was easygoing. And you could just tell the guy just had this natural, like, bring me all your money because I know what to do with it. And to me, that was just like, hey, you know, anyone can really duplicate this as long as you have the confidence and you know exactly what you're looking for. And that's what I like about Michael is he is laser focused when other people are distracted and that's what has helped make him successful. So let's go ahead and jump into it right now with Michael Hicks here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. And if you are watching live here on the Six Figure Formula, I cannot wait to get to your questions here. And if you're not a part of the Six Figure Formula, you need to be. It's fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. 
And all you have to do is go and check that out and you can get access to our podcast guests before anyone else does. And we have an exclusive Q&A at the end there. And we've got Michael Hicks today. And I am so excited to have Michael on the show. Michael, you're coming in from Georgia and uh, in the Tennessee area as well. And really excited to just kind of talk to you today about raising capital and also unique stays. But first of all, what is your craziest, what's the wildest Airbnb story, short-term rental story that you've got for us today? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a builder of short-term rentals, so I don't deal with the management end as much as, you know, my wife does. But uh, we, we purchased a property. It was an old mobile home park that we were converting, uh, and it had about 12 1960s and 70s mobile homes. And, you know, I had my guys out there were looking the property over, and I make the comment, you know, man, it sure would be nice if these things would just burn. And, uh, you know, this is March. July 4th, they went up in flames. And, Are you uh, serious? Yeah, they burnt to the ground. And uh, I met my guys the next morning. This was like two in the morning, the the night of the 4th. And I met my guys the next morning. I said, man, you believe those trailers burnt last night? And one of them just starts grinning. And he, I said, what are you grinning about? He said, I'm just trying to help you out, boss. He burnt them to the ground. What? Arson investigator came out, dog sniffing around. I had to meet with them. And, you know, I, I straight up, you know, I told them what happened, what was said, everything. So, yeah, it was a similar story that happened to him. And he, he completely sympathized. It was not, there was no, uh, you know, arson because there was no financial gain from, from them being torn down, burnt down. But, yeah, that was, that was one of my, my craziest. Oh my gosh. So but watch you, what you say. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> did you get reimbursed? Did insurance take care of it? No, there was nothing to claim. I mean, we were tearing them down anyway. You know, it was oh, a, you were tearing them a down. demo. Okay. Yeah, we were tearing right. them down. And that's that's the whole reason, we, you know, I had to get them cleaned <laughs> up anyway. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's crazy. Well, we we have our own fire story, but I'll I'll let that be another time. Well, Michael, I'm super excited to have you on the show today and to just talk raising money and and unique stays. And um, like you said, you're doing a lot of building and you've been in real estate for a long time too. So if you don't mind, just kind of take a second, give people a little bit of your background and and everything that kind of led you into this space. Yeah. So I, I started off, you know, going to college after high school, like, you know, a lot of us do. And I made it six months. I realized it wasn't uh, for me. So I came home and approached a developer friend of mine and said, Hey, I want to build a house. So at 19, I built my first uh, new construction home at 20. I bought my first rental and just kind of added uh, over the years, you know, all while working uh, a W2 at night or uh, whatever I had to, to make ends meet and probably a lot longer than I had to, but, you know, fast forward years later, you know, we, we shifted from solely new construction to uh, this new construction of unique short-term rentals. And that's kind of how we got into, you know, listing on Airbnb and, and operating short-term rentals that we have, you know, built. And talk to me, what, what does unique short-term rental mean to you? Cause you've got uh, a lot of different looks. So it doesn't, I don't look at your site and see a bunch of cookie cutter properties. I see a bunch of different looking ones. So when you say unique, like what does that mean to you? So all, all of our properties, I've either drawn or taken a plan and modified it to fit the lot and fit, you know, our need by adding, adding square footage, removing walls, adding windows, things like that. But to me, unique is, uh, it's the the accommodation as well as the location. So we we will not buy unless we have an extreme view or if we have water. So you know we're going to leave it there. We're going to have unique properties, and then we're going to use uh, tree houses, shipping containers, a frames, uh, silos. We have a VW bus. We're getting uh, ready to to place in a unit 
uh, that'll be kind of a hippie hangout. The bed will be in the bus, that kind of thing. Just off the wall, crazy stuff. That's awesome. When when you say that you're building them, like, are are you actually going in there with the hammer yourself or are you hiring the team? I'm hiring the team. I'm GC. Okay. okay. I was I was painting doors last night at at, uh, at eight o'clock because we have guests coming Friday night for our new uh, A frame treehouse and you know if you're gonna get it done you got to get it done. That's awesome. So you get your hands dirty a little bit too. Every now and then. <laughs> what's your favorite of all of all the places that you have? You say you got the shipping containers, you got treehouse. Like, what's your favorite of all of them? You know, every one of them has their own unique characteristics, but the uh, I guess the Belvedere box is the first shipping container we did. Uh, and after that, that, that would, would probably be my favorite uh, build just because, you know, the story behind it. But uh, the Sassafras Treehouse is probably the most unique with the, the layout. The way it's hanging off the brow and, and overlooking a, a vast uh, cove. Okay. I'm going to share my screen and show people the both of those. But you said there's a story behind the Belvedere box. You want to tell that? Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of how the whole shift into the unique short-term rental started. We... I say, we. I came home and I told my wife, I want to build a shipping container home. And she just kind of laughed and said, okay. She probably didn't think I'd really do it, but I ordered a new shipping container. I had it shipped to the office and then started cutting, you know, using sawzalls and, and disc grinders. We cut the windows and, and doors and got it all set up. What I, the whole the whole intention on building it in my office parking lot was to show codes enforcement and, and planning and zoning and the city council and the, the planning commissions in my area that, hey, this can be a cool thing. Uh, because they were totally against tiny homes and shipping container homes. So I thought, well, I'll build this and show them how cool it could be. They didn't come. You know, we had open houses. We had, uh, you know, ribbon cuttings and all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, they just, they didn't come. So there was no interest in learning or being open to it. But long story short, it sat in my office parking lot long enough that codes enforcement finally said, hey, you got to move this or we're going to cite you. So, uh you know, that was the motivation to get out and start looking for land. And once we uh, we realized, hey, we need to do this on some unique property and, you know, pull the views in with it, pull some water in with it and, and make it two something specials instead of just one. Wow. This is this is awesome. If you're watching right now, you see my screen. I'm sharing the screen here. This is located where again? Now, these are northwest Georgia. We're probably uh, 25 uh, minutes outside of Chattanooga here. Wow. So that's a lake, right? No, that's just uh it looks like it. That's the clouds. Yeah. We're, we're above the clouds. Oh my gosh. That there was one photo there. The clouds were just like, I, I literally thought I was looking onto a lake there. Yeah. There yeah there's a there. few that, uh, that will that lay. looks like a water. That looks like an ocean. Wow. That's yeah. Crazy. Some mornings when you wake up, the, the fog and the clouds will be right even with the bottom of that container. And it looks like you're looking right out at the ocean. That's so awesome. So then you said that the tree house though, seems to be the most popular. What made you want to do a tree house? Again, just looking for the next different thing, you know, just yeah. trying to trying to be different and uh, fit outside of that box. And I tried to draw the plans for the treehouse, and I just couldn't find anything that I loved. And uh, you know, building on steel that kind of changes things and where where beams are placed. And so I, I bought the plans from Treehouse Masters, and then that portion where the bathroom is, that to the right there on the screen, that's the 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 bathroom. Uh, we added that uh, eight feet on to the end of the house. Nice uh, to, to give it a full bath there. That's awesome. So, I mean, you know, let's just take one of these. Uh, what what are the, like, underwrite the deal for me. What are the costs? What are the, what's the time that's taking to build something like this? What's the permit process looking like? Just kind of take me through that process. Yeah. So, you know, these structures are harder to get permitted sometimes just because the square footage minimum is the, is the biggest thing. Then the treehouse, 
uh, they gave me a little bit of uh, flack about they wouldn't let me attach it to a tree. So we built around trees instead of tying to them, which I like that anyway, because you're, you know, you don't have a, a dead foundation or a dying foundation underneath the tree house. Uh, but we tried to go to the outlining, outlying counties and find uh, less restrictive uh, zoning. That way we're able to get through our permitting a little easier than say if we were to go in the city of Chattanooga and try to do the same. Mm-hmm. So that that's the first part is just getting out far enough to where your zoning is not as strict and uh, you're still close enough to to drive, you know, a half an hour to uh, a, a bigger city. This treehouse, uh, you know, GC myself, we were able to do it right around 140 and the lot cost was uh, was 135. And then we uh, we ran anywhere from three fifty to four fifty a day a night. Wow, that's awesome, man! All right, so I mean, do you feel like a lot of just having the the real estate background has really helped you to be able to make this transition into short term rentals pretty simple? Uh, yeah, I mean, just just knowing the real estate and, and and knowing the market. You know, I think so many people are just itching. There's no deals here, and they're itching to run all across the country and buy properties. And I've never done as well as I do in my own backyard. I know the property better. I mean, I was telling somebody the other day when I started looking at property, I was looking in the newspaper, going through and and writing down and driving through neighborhoods to look at these houses. It was before the MLS was online and before, uh, you know, you had bigger pockets and and podcasts and things to learn from. We we learned by getting out and just driving around uh, and talking with others. So, you know, knowing my area and knowing this thirty mile radius well uh, helps me to see you know see a property and act quickly. Nice. So that, that would be the biggest help is just, you know, focusing in instead of trying to learn 10 markets, I'm focusing in on one. That's so important, man, is knowing that what you just said there, knowing your own market is to me, like so many people I see get into this business and they build deep instead, or they build wide instead of building deep, right? They go in and they say, Hey, I've got an opportunity and Georgia and I've got one in Florida and I've got one in Maryland and I've got them all these different places, but they never really truly learn their own market or where they're supposed to be or where they can put in the most amount of time. Do you see the, can you just talk a little bit more about the advantage of just learning your own market? Well, you know, and I'm not saying there's not a time to go wide, but I think you need to get deep first, right? You know, just knowing the market and being the person in your market, you, you know, if somebody sees a piece of property, who do you think they call? They call me. If the, you know, if I'm working with these agents and, and they know that I'm looking for, uh, for homes and, and I go to networking groups and they know that I'm looking for vacant land on water or, you know, I get calls all the time. I get leads naturally, organically without having to send, you know, 6,000 postcards. And, you know, that's not to say I couldn't get more by doing those things. Uh, but you know, I'm, I told somebody the other day, I'm, um, Gen Zillennial, you know, I'm I'm right there on the, the end of doing things one way and the and the beginning of doing things a new way. So I'm trying to figure all these things out. So for me, it's still natural to uh, drive for dollars and and knock on doors and and you know if I see a piece of property I like, I pull it up on Land Glide and then I'll go knock on the door of the owner and and just say, hey, can you tell me about this property? So you know, knowing those the market and staying here close, you know, we we did. We built the containers out. We built the treehouse out. And then the next thing we do, we start looking, okay, we need to go to Blue Ridge and build one. We need to go to Savannah and, and build one on Tybee Island. And we bought those properties. And then here I am trying to logistically build in Chattanooga and Blue Ridge, in Chattanooga and Blue Ridge and Dahlonega, and then uh, Tybee. And, and I'm pulling my hair out and I'm not having any fun anymore. 
So then I start looking and I'm like, okay, well, here's two lots up here that are five minutes from our treehouse and containers. Logistically, it makes more sense for me to build these two, two new tiny homes on these two new brow lots that are five minutes away from our other projects than to go build in Savannah and Blue Ridge. So, you know, for, that works for me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why not, man? When you're, when you're right there, when you're able to just do it right in your own backyard or, or close to it. You know, I guess to me right now, like what I'm wondering, and and especially in regards to what we are calling this is how to raise money, right? And how to get these properties funded. So especially with it being so unique, I wonder, you know, I've, I've raised a lot of money for, we just raised one for a commercial deal with storage facilities. We've raised for short-term rentals. We've raised for long-term rentals. We raised for flips. A lot of that is pretty simple to kind of explain to someone who might be interested, but hey- a treehouse or a, <laughs> a you know container container home like was that tough to to convince someone hey you know this is this is going to be worth it even though it's not you know a typical single family home you know for me it wasn't because i had a track record and but going back to how i kind of got into seller financing and raising private capital you know post recession uh, you know 2000 10 through 2012, you know, I'm sitting over here moping, working third shift as a police officer, trying to, you know, keep sane. And I'm like, still doing some real estate during the day, you know, buying a rental here and there, all that I could qualify for, but I'm getting beat out on these, uh, these offers by cash buyers. And I'm like, man, the banks won't loan any money right now. I cannot get money from the bank. So. I start having conversations with, with, uh, some of my parents, friends, you know, that are retirement age and, and I get some that hit and say, okay, we want to, we want to invest and we'll, we'll put up the money. You do the flips and, uh, we'll, we'll split them 50, 50, you know, and for somebody that was working third shift and not able to get the capital at the bank at the time, that was a, a good deal for me. So we're, we're three projects in, they've gone real well and, uh, had six more properties under contract and they call say, Hey, Mike, we're getting ready to travel. And, uh, we, we're not going to do any more investing right now. So here I am with six properties under contract and no money to purchase. Wow. Uh, so, you know, talk about fear <laughs> and, uh, yeah. oh, man, what am I going to do? You know, I don't want to lose these properties because they were good properties. Some were, you know, we were holding for rentals and some we were going to flip. Uh, so I'm like, you know, okay, I got to step back and punt here. I started driving to, uh, the different title companies that we had worked with over the years. And I just walk in, say, Hey, you know, y'all know me, we've, we've done business. I've got these six properties under contract. Do you know anybody that would be interested in lending on these properties? And, uh, you know, the second title company I stopped at said, yeah, I call so-and-so. And it was somebody I knew, you know, somebody I'd known for years and worked with. And I just never had thought of having that conversation. I called him up. He, he said, yeah, come get me. We'll ride around and look at him, look at them. And, uh, we spent, uh, a few hours just driving by the properties, didn't go in them. He's, yeah, it looks good. And, uh, let me know when you need the money. And, you know, wow. since then we've, we've done over 200 deals together where, you know, he puts up the money and I'll buy them. And, you know, there's no, no red tape, no appraisals, no, you know, so, so that's short-term funding, you know, he, that's yeah. a, a 12 month interest only Okay, hey, when you sell that kind of thing. So, but that got the bug, you know, that planted the seed for, for the rest of it. So, you know, people see you doing, you know, 200 properties in, in a two to three year span, uh, a three to four year span, I guess the, they, they, they notice, you know, 
so then they're they're coming and having that conversation. Hey, you know, I've got a little bit of money. I, uh, can you put it to work? You know, I'm not dealing with a lot of million dollar lenders. I'm lend, I'm, I'm dealing with somebody that has 150 thousand in their IRA and wants to mm-hmm. lend it out long term and doesn't want to have to work it ever every day like the the short term lender does. Right. So so those are the people that I'm I'm reaching out to now to fund these. Uh, short-term rental uh, unique stays that the banks aren't willing to fund. So back up just for a second, because you told me that you were a police officer first, and that's when you were going out and raising money and looking for these deals. So I, you know, I, I'm one of those jack of all trades, master of none. You know, I, I don't know, <laughs> you couldn't tell you how many jobs I've had. And yeah. and, and going back to you know those jobs, I've worked. I've worked as a uh, welder uh, for Dupont. I worked as a welder for the road i drove at ups or uh, and loaded and i worked as a firefighter police officer pest control insurance wow you know all those were night shift jobs to where i could continue to do real estate during the day but i was afraid to give up the benefits and afraid to give up the steady income until that lender the one that, that helped me with those first six houses and then eventually over 200 we were riding in the truck one day and he said mike you know that job's costing you money don't you mm. i just kind of looked at him and I turned in my notice the next day. So that's, that's, uh, wow. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, when you have somebody harping, you know, your parents, my parents, uh, you know, get a good job, get something with benefits and, you know, you need to provide. And, you know, so you as a, as a young man, you know, that's all I heard was I've got to provide for my family and this is how to do it. So getting past that was one of the biggest obstacles. Uh, and once I got past that, it's been all, you know, all good. So even though you had this guy telling you like, why, why are you still in that job? It's costing you money and you're putting in your notice the next day. I'm assuming even after you put in that notice, there probably was still some fear left over. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, I don't know that the fear ever goes away. It's, you know, there, there's days as a real estate investor, you know, you've got, you've got highs and lows and uh, there's days where you're like, man, a, a job where I just go to work and get off at three thirty every day would be nice <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, uh, painting doors and, and yeah. uh, working in Blue Ridge from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. or whatever it is. So, but, uh, it, you know, it's but, giving me the freedom to do what I want when I want. Yeah. So, uh, but at the same time, I'm sure there, was there some sort of affirmation that you got from this guy in the car with you that was ready to, to lend on, you know, 200 deals for the next three or four years. Was there some sort of affirmation that you got when he asked that question? Just him asking the question was all the affirmation I needed. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's one of those guys when, when he's talking, you need to listen. And uh, he always has a, has something wise to say. So this person sounds like not only a lender, but maybe a little bit of a, a mentor as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, he, he's uh, he's on speed though. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and this person came just from going to the title company and saying, I need, I need help finding someone to fund the deals. Yeah. That's my, my driving for dollars. The, yeah. the real. <laughs> that's so good, man. I mean, I, and this is part of why I was excited to have you on the show is because, you know, you keep things so simple, right? Like it, there's a lot of people out there that say, I don't have the connections. I don't have the money. I don't have the knowledge. And, you know, here you are, this is, an amazing story. You were a police officer and you were doing some deals on the side and then you get this guy and, and now suddenly you're doing 200 deals in the next few years. Why? Because you 
did some work and you asked for some help, right? You just, you just went out there and did the thing. So, I mean, is, is it really just as simple as that or, or are we missing anything from this story? Man, I think it is, you know, yeah. I, I was on a cruise. Uh, it was a real estate investors cruise. Uh, it's probably 2015 and, you know, we come out of the seminar, uh, you know, the, the little hour Ted talk or whatever they gave. And, you know, I walk out into the hallway and this lady was just standing there like frantically walking past this door back and forth. And it was a big door that had a, a big red F on it. And she just kept walking back and, and, uh, you know, two or three minutes go by, you know, we're standing out there uh, two or three minutes go by. I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm waiting on somebody to come out of the ba bathroom. You know, I, I said, ma'am, that's the fire extinguisher, you know? So <laughs> where, I, where I, what I took from that is, you know, if you don't know, ask, and you know, <laughs> I, I go to these seminars. I try to go to one a month to where I'm, you know, learning something new. And then the biggest thing is, is take what you're learning and come back and implement it. But these seminars, the the seminar after the seminar at the at the dinner table when you're sitting mm -hmm. around with people that you don't know and you're talking you know I, I've never I've never just asked for private money other you know driving to the title companies but when I'm sitting down and having these conversations I'm telling stories about what we're doing and they ask to be a part of it mm. uh, you know more times than not so that that's that's where my lenders are coming from is going to these these events where uh, you know if the IRA uh, I, I, my IRA is with Quest uh, Trust. And, you know, they put on multiple events throughout the year. And uh, when they have an event, I try to go because that's, I'm in a room with people that have self-directed Roth IRAs that they want to lend with. So what better room to be in? Uh, and then, you know, when you get in those rooms, ask, ask the questions. Uh, we, we were at a, a seminar a couple of years ago in Tampa and they said, we're going to do a hot seat uh, at the end of the day and uh, submit your questions before lunch and we'll, you know, we'll get you up there if, if there's enough questions, if there's, you know, we'll try to get you up there. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, after lunch, they said, nobody submitted a question. So I, I put on the paper, there's, there's 300 people in the room. I wrote on the paper. I said, what is the best way to have a conversation with a private lender to utilize their funds? And, you know, they call me up there and, and I get back to my seat and my friends are all looking at me. They're like, why, why did you ask that? I said, I'm in a room full of private lenders. Why would I not right. ask that? Right. I had eight, eight people come up to me after. Oh my God. And then, uh, one of those is, is who funded the treehouse. So you just, you don't know unless you ask. Well, it kind of goes back to a lot of the things that I share with my audience and my students comes from one thing that one of my mentors told me when I was first starting out and flipping houses. And that is. If you don't tell everyone in your network what you're doing, then you're not open for business. No. And even those people in the room, you don't know them personally, but they're in your, at that moment, they're in your network, right? Absolutely. You have, you can, you can, if you choose to grab their attention and you, instead of pitching something, right, you just ask a simple question that showed, Hey, this guy might have some deals that I can lend on. <laughs> right. And to me, like, that's all it comes down to. I think everyone that gets into real estate or into short-term rentals and is trying to find the deal, is trying to find the money, is trying to find the clients. One of the things they're just not doing is they're just not talking. They're not. They're not talking to people. They're not sharing. They're not asking. They're just thinking I'll I'll sit in front of Zillow all day long and some money and a deal eventually will appear. And when it doesn't, then they're wondering why why they're not getting any deals. Like Definitely. again, like am I oversimplifying this thing or is is that what you think uh, to me it's that easy yeah uh, you know to others uh <laughs> it scares them to death why do you think that is what what is what is that fear coming from you talked about having some fear of leaving your job 
where was that fear coming from? And and is that applicable to to other people that you feel like are searching for those answers and, and maybe being held back by fear? Most of the time they just don't know and they don't understand the process. And and they hear a private lender tell them 10% on a short-term deal. And they're like, 10%, I can go to the bank and borrow it for five, right, you know, for right. a new construction. Well, hey, you know, when you add the fees, the appraisals, the everything else that the bank requires for a construction loan, and then look at the 10% that I'm paying, it works out about $400 difference for, for me to use private money than it does to go to the bank. And that was when rates were, were good at the mm-hmm. bank. Uh, so why would I not go? The speed of money and, and the velocity that that capital can be deployed is so much quicker with the private lender. I can have it in two days instead of two months with the bank. So I think people people freak out about the the number, the, the rate, and, and then they don't completely understand the terms. And, you know, I went, I, I try to go to, creative deal structuring is, is, you know, classes as many times as I can, because, you know, I'm always picking up a different idea and okay, and now I can apply this in this situation, or this would have worked in that situation. Uh, you know, I, and I've, I've given full price on properties that I didn't want to, but they're mm-hmm. willing to sell seller finance at 0%. So what does, you know, in, uh, you know, if you're comparing that, that drops that price way down by not having that interest on there. So yeah. You know, just, just learning the lingo and, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, I, I compare that to speaking a, a foreign language. If you're in a room with people talking creative deal structure and creative finance until you learn the language, you're going to feel lost and, and, but just get in there and ask questions. I promise you people that like creative deal structuring like to talk about creative deal structure. Absolutely. Well, and, and that is something I've been wanting to ask you, but we keep getting off onto, onto some more creative subjects here, uh, 200 deals in three or four years. Like what are those deals looking like? Is that a, just a bunch of different types of deals? I mean, I know you've got, I know you don't have 200 short-term rentals. <laughs> we'll put no, it that no, way. That so. was, that was, that was fixing flips and, nice. uh, and, uh, long-term rentals. Nice. That's awesome. And, and all, so I say 200 deals, there's 200 doors. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So some of them might've been multifamily. There, there was, there was some quads and, uh, yeah. and then, uh, I had one, uh, 28 unit building, things like that. So, okay. You've done a lot of different exit strategies. So is it for you about diversification is it about pivoting with the market? Like why, why try a bunch of different new things? Well, you know, it's that book, uh, who moved the cheese, you know, I, I try to kind of stay ahead of where the cheese is going and, you know, I, I, I quit flipping about two years ago and then focused more on the unique short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold off a lot of our long-term rentals because I feel like we're at the top of the market. We sold them and exchanged into better properties. So, you know, when you're at the top of the market, you want to get rid of those, the low-end properties and exchange into higher-end properties. Even though you're paying more for the higher-end properties, you're just moving the equity, but you're getting a better property with mm. less less hassle. That's, that's the way I look at it. But That's good. That's the shifts, you know, we, we've done self-storage, we have commercial warehousing and it's just, you know, trying to be in three or four different real estate niches that, that, that I enjoy. So I guess being a devil's advocate, going back to what you said about building deep instead of building wide, is that contradictory? Do you feel like- I don't think so. I mean, that, I went 16 years building deep before I started going wide. Well, there you go. 16 years is a long time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So you also have shared that, these self-directed IRAs is a lot of ways that you're getting money. Can you just break that down? What What is a self-directed IRA? Why is that a popular way for you to find money? So, you know, it's, it's a self-directed IRA, uh, you know, same as your your IRA that you have at work or 
or uh, the 401k. It's just a different, you know, retirement uh, tool. Uh, and, you know, we contribute to it annually and then uh, we turn around and invest that into uh, into real estate, which is what I know. I don't know stocks. I don't know the that that investing game. So I'm investing in what I do know. You know, I don't I don't necessarily like to hold property in, in my IRA, but you lose the tax benefits. You lose a lot of that that goes along with uh, owning real estate. So what I've done with my IRA is purchase a property at a discount, turn around and sell it. Uh, on time. And, and that way I've gotten the property back out of the IRA and created a note. So then my IRA is holding the note for that asset instead of holding that asset. Mm. Uh, that's how I've worked mine. But there's millions and millions and millions of dollars sitting in Roth IRAs that aren't being worked. Uh, you know, money coming in and just sitting for years because somebody's waiting on a 12% return when they could have gotten to you in for two years without looking for that, uh, that diamond in the rough, you know. So there's there's money sitting there. Uh, you just got to uh, get in front of them and have that conversation. Yeah. So a lot of people, like you said, have money in their Roth IRA. Are you educating them about how they can move it over to a self-directed IRA to invest more in real estate? Yeah, we've, we've uh, helped a couple uh, move over their uh, IRAs over to self-directed to where they can, you know, participate in what we have going on. Uh, and you know, that's not for everybody. Not, not everybody wants to move their entire portfolio into a self-directed account that they have, uh, that they're controlling rather than a, a broker. You know, they trust the broker to do it a lot of times more than they trust themselves to do it. Okay. One more question for you here. And then I want to give our audience an opportunity to stay at one of your unique places. You're doing a, a really cool thing for us and letting, letting our audience take a look at some of your places, maybe stay at them. But one thing for me that I get a lot is how are you structuring raising money? Whenever I'm responding to that, it's it's really a case-by-case -case scenario of what is a win for that lender. Do you kind of go the same route or is it more of you have a cookie cutter option or two that you have for these lenders? No, definitely. I have I have lenders that want amortized over 15, 20 years. I have lenders that want interest only paid annually. I have lenders that want interest only. They pay it you know, when, we, when we sell the property. You know, so every lender is different. Everybody is different with their money and how they feel about uh, their money and how long they want it out and working, you know. So if I'm if I'm working on a quick flip or a rehab, you know, I, I want that 12-month money. And I'm willing to pay, you know, 10% for that versus if I'm doing a long-term amortization uh, where they're they're putting their money and not having to work it, I'm going to be at 6 to 7%. You know, if you've got an active investor over here that's wanting to keep their money turning, they're going to be in that 10% to 12% category. And then you've got the more passive uh, that wants to just put it to work and let it go. You know, we're we're six to seven percent there. So it's based on the lender and what they want when we talk up front. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to have the conversation regardless. You know, if they come back and say, I want 15 percent, well, you, you know, we're not a good fit, uh, but I'll keep you in mind uh, if something comes up and I need, you know, capital quick. Right. And then the other one, you know, if they say they want to put their money to work, well, well, uh, well, you, we might use the 10% money to build the property and then refinance it with the long-term money. You know, it's just, uh, the shipping containers, there's, uh, there's three mortgages on that property. There's, uh, one for, uh, two different containers. And then there's one from the, uh, the seller of the land. So the two container notes came in subordinate to the, to the land, which was, was seller financed at 1%. Nice. Um, you know, and they, they were okay with that. They understand that, you know, Hey, I'm in second position. I'm in third position. But I did have that conversation and, and let them know that on the front end. So what I'm hearing, and this is kind of a chicken before the egg sort of question, 
you're getting the money and when the deal comes, you're hitting up your lenders on, hey, I found something that's in your buy box versus, hey, I got a deal and now I need to go find the money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, when someone's just getting started, do you think that's the way to do it or do you think getting the deal is the way to get started? I think when somebody's just getting started, they need to get with somebody that's done it before and, mm. and partner with them, JB, and split the deal. I'm, you know, I know nobody wants to do that. Or, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that, but man, don't jump in there and mess yourself up and mess somebody else's retirement funds up and, yeah, and, uh, you know, start off on their own foot, get, get in there and do it with somebody that's done it and you'll be all right. That's good. All right, Michael. Well, we talked a lot about raising capital, not even just for short-term rentals, but your short-term rentals are awesome. And you're giving away a really cool opportunity for our audience. You want to share that for a second? Yeah, if, uh, if any of your your audience wants to come and stay, uh, they can book one of our properties at wanderchat.com. And that's W-A-N-D-E-R-C-H-A-T-T.com. And use discount code FEARLESS10 for 10% off of your stay if you'd like to come and stay with us. Is that all lowercase? Yes. FEARLESS10. All right. No. Wanderchat, chat with two Ts, dot com. FEARLESS10 is the code. And you can get a discount on any of these awesome places in Georgia and Tennessee. So thank you so much, Michael. That's awesome. We're going to go ahead and keep you in here for our uh, 6FF chat. And we got a few uh, questions to address. So let's go ahead and get to that. But Michael, before we do, where can people find you? And any last words for our audience? Uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me on uh, Instagram or TikTok at Find Your Repurpose. We're on Facebook at Michael Hicks, or you can call me at 423-413-6132. Oh my goodness. Look at that phone number. Yeah, one, more time, one more time on that, that phone there. number. Yeah. 423-413-6132. There you go. We'll the, put that I'll, I'll only call if you have funds to lend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, hey, I, I got a feeling your phone's going to get a few calls here, but uh, we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes for you guys too. Michael, thank you so much for helping our audience to conquer the world of raising money for short-term rentals. Yeah, glad to be here. All right, so you can claim that discount if you want to stay over at any of Michael's short-term rentals, those unique stays. They look awesome. Really excited for you to go check that out. Just go over to the show notes in the podcast, or if you're on the YouTube channel right now, just go down to the description and you can click on that and use the coupon code to claim your 10% discount. So that's going to do it right now for the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. I'll see you again. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called the Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals.